The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online at DiscountTire.com. Discount Tire, let's get you taken care of. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to your very favorite Bronze Age comic book podcast, Flea Market Fantasy. I am your co-host, Mike Allen. As always, I'm joined by... Michael Dell of the LCS Hockey Radio Show. That's right, and I, I thought we were in the holiday season, but judging by this week's pick, I guess no one cares, but okay. Yes, you're exactly right. I do not care. Uh, so this week, we're going to go, uh, well, we have a guest, I should say, and I believe he's making his fourth appearance, maybe, on the show. Woo! Uh, it's, our, uh, it's our old buddy, Kevin Jank. Jank, are you there? Yeah. Look, I am. And uh, I disagree with that statement. This, I think, was a holiday book. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Morlock Massacre was all based on a Black Friday sale gone awry. <laughs> <laughs> Marauders yes. had those PS5s. <laughs> Today we'll be doing X-Factor 10 from 1986. As right. Jay mentioned, it's the right around the beginning of the Mutant Massacre. I guess X-Men 210 started it officially. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think. I'll have to check I my think notes. So, this didn't really do a good job of setting it up, so I'm assuming X Men did. <laughs> yeah, Uncanny X Men 210 is when it started, but we'll get into that in a minute. Um, so, Jank, last time you were on, Mike Gale tricked you into coming on to do a Superman episode, and I apologize <laughs> for that again. So, <laughs> this time I wanted to give you the choice, or at least uh, pick something that you liked, and mm-hmm. we both kind of settled on X Factor and. What is your history with X-Factor? Uh, I've always been a fan of X-Factor. Obviously, we talked about my love for Peter David on the show before. So really, it's the Peter David stuff. His couple of different runs on X-Factor that I love so much. Um, like a devout Branch Davidian. <laughs> like <a> <laughs> you, you love Peter David. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, even was... the old stuff, I went back and got all that stuff at a certain point, too. And, and I was a big fan. And Mike Gell, uh, I believe you're also a big fan of the X Factor, but uh, even this original run. Yes, people... absolutely. Like, I actually, uh, this is right around the time I started getting into comics, and I kind of got into X Factor first. Um, and I, coincidentally, like, I didn't really know at the time they were the original X Men. I just picked it up. And so it was kind of cool that I was reading about the original team, right? Versus, like, the third generation of X Men or whatever it was by that point. And, uh, yeah, so I'm really attached to Cyclops and, you know, this whole lineup. And I've always loved Louise Simonson and Walt Simonson. So, yeah, this is good stuff. Yes, X-Factor is the uh, original X-Men team. Cyclops, Iceman, Beast, Jean Grey, and Angel. And, of course, yeah. the big news here for X-Factor, Michael, is mm-hmm. Jean Grey. Yep. Big mm-hmm. mistake. <laughs> she, <laughs> she died in 1980 in the Dark Phoenix saga. And, you know, Claremont and Byrne, they originally did not want to kill her. And the gem shooter said, well, you know, you got to kill her. She needs to have, she needs to face repercussions for what she did. So 
she died and then shooter said you know we'll leave her dead but then shooter changed his mind mm-hmm. and it allowed him to bring her back although he was on his way out the door pretty much in it at this time too right he was right i don't think he knew he was on his way out the door but yeah he was on his way. yeah <laughs> but yeah he did change his mind so they could bring back team gray and that kind of oh. pissed off claremont and uh <laughs> i guess burn although although burn had a hand in bringing her back in a way because that's what makes no sense yeah burn didn't like her coming back constantly but you're right he is one of the ones that came up with the idea of how to bring her back yeah i guess officially the guy who came up with the idea is uh writer uh what's his name shoot kurt Busiek. yep kurt Busiek. Yeah. oh i like but it. at but at the time john Byrne was doing the avengers and they needed a tie-in with like actually so he, there's so a tie-in with the avengers he was oh. in Fantastic Four, yeah. But I thought Byrne was involved somehow in the tie-in because they, they had the Avengers discover a capsule under the, the sea. Yeah, there were like, two tie-ins, I think. There was one in the Avengers and one in the Fantastic Four. Okay. Right. All right, so that's for... This is a weird place to bring back Jean Grey. <laughs> yeah, Jenk, would you like to explain how they the idea they had to bring her back? Uh, essentially they came up with that she was never actually the phoenix in the first place yes. when, when the shuttle went in you know into the earth's atmosphere and landed in the hudson you know when the phoenix saga hole started uh the, the actual gene gray was in a cocoon down at the bottom of the river <laughs> like yes recuperating while the phoenix just kind of took her form and her memories and tried to impersonate her but that was not really her yes and this is terrible, right? I mean, yeah. this, is just, <laughs> this is horrible. Well, and, and I just want to say, Jean Grey, as it goes along, like they they fucked up her storyline so many times. Right. Uh, the thing is, is even uh, Mark Miller, when Mark Miller was doing, um, uh, I don't remember if he was doing Ultimate X Men or whatever he was doing, and he, I, I don't think he'd been reading comics at this point. He kind of skipped these years. So when someone told him this storyline, he said that. He pointed out how it really ruins the Dark Phoenix saga because if it's not Jean sacrificing herself, then the story has like no meaning, you know? Yes. So You're I think absolutely right. right. So I think the way that Grant Morrison and and those like later writers wrote her is like as far as they were concerned, they just ignored that retcon and, and they always treated like that Dark Phoenix saga like it was just Jean Grey all along. So Yeah, it's the only way it makes sense is if she's right. been sacrificing herself like that, yeah. I think so, they came uh, up kind of work around later on where they kind of merged her soul with the Phoenix's soul or something. So it was like, oh, yeah, it was her. But mm-hmm. it's very shoddily done. <laughs> yep. Very confusing. Yeah, it's so strange. So now uh, the creators of X Factor officially are Bob Layton and Jackson Geis, because they came up with the idea for the new team, I guess, or to bring right. them together. Yeah. And originally, Mike Gale. Mm-hmm. They didn't know Jean Grey was coming back, so they needed a female member for the team. Do you know who the original female member was going to be? I believe it was Dazzler. That is correct. Dazzler. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> Jake, how would you feel about Dazzler being an X-Factor? Uh, that would be pretty cool. Um, I mean, it would be <laughs> sad to not see her with Longshot, but I guess that would have been all right. I like Dazzler, especially this era of Dazzler, when she was less yeah. disco and more like, you know, punk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know who I think would have been a good replacement? Firestar. <laughs> That's my pick. Yeah. Red hair. Yep. <laughs> Why not? And, and I he saw it. Ice, 
That is true. Iceman's there too, so you got the super yeah. friends. Of right. See. I saw just recently uh, Chris Claremont was bitching about this whole thing yet again, <laughs> and uh, right. he was saying that basically this was the the thing that ruined Cyclops forever as a character yeah. was having to leave his wife, and uh, he was like, I I told him they should have just brought in Jean's sister and I guess like given her the same powers. <laughs> well, that's terrible too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not a great idea either. But yeah, because of, yeah. to get X-Factor back together, Cyclops leaves his wife, Madeline Pryor, and their newborn son, Nathan Summers, yes. in Alaska and just bails on him and comes back yep. to be an X-Factor. Yeah. <laughs> so what a dick. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> shitty. And then he lies to her about being married for a long time. And yeah. <laughs> yeah Cyclops Pretty. is awful. Jank, uh, the other week on here, I mentioned Cyclops and how he's a terrible, he's just awful. And Mike Gill says he loves Cyclops. He's like his favorite guy. Right, Mike Yes, he's one Cyclops. of them, yep. He's terrible. Well, I choose to ignore certain storylines like this, you know, so. But he, he's just such a stuck-up storyline, though. Yeah, this went yeah. on for years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's just a stuck-up, like, I don't know, arrogant douchebag, yeah. right? He's very uh, stick at this point, especially. Yeah. I still like them. <laughs> <laughs> I forget it. An arcade game, he had like the wussiest punches ever. Like, <laughs> Maybe the Canadian exchange rate on Cyclops is better. Like, he's better in Canada. So that could be it, yeah. <laughs> in Canada, he has two eyes. Because <laughs> in the United States, he is terrible. He's just awful. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Let's go through the other notes I got here. Uh, yeah, Leighton and Jackson Geis. Leighton wrote the first five issues. Mm-hmm. And Jackson Geis drew four of those issues. And here's another little bit of trivia. At the end of issue five, there's a shadowy villain shown. And then the next issue, Louise Simonson took over the writing chores. And she introduced that villain. Who was that villain, Michael? Apocalypse. But. Who was Bob Layton's original idea for that villain? Oh, I'm going to guess. Was it the owl? That is correct. The owl. Wow. <laughs> the old Daredevil villain, the owl. Versus all five original X-Men. That seems like a terrible matchup. Yeah, exactly. An old fat guy with claws. Right. <laughs> but I just think of the disparity there in power between the owl and Apocalypse. It's kind of like a big jump. So... Yeah, thank goodness uh, Louise Simonson came in. We'll talk more about how she came on in the book and stuff later. But uh, I always hated Apocalypse. I don't know. I just... Really? Yeah, because I hate the whole... He's the first mutant and he's been alive for all these years. I just hate that nonsense. I think well, it's cool. Yeah, I think it's cool. I, guess, I mean, you could argue it gets a little bit... I, I don't like when they bring in the mysticism of, like, the Twelve and the Chosen and all, like, you know, the war, the coming war and all that that kind of nonsense, but I don't mind the fact that he's been around that long. He's the first mutant. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Not a fan. Not a fan. Do you like he's, his design? Not really. Um, <laughs> because he has a big A as his belt buckle. I mean, if you've been around for yeah. eons. He's got a cool mouth. A cool, like, Kool-Aid mouth. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I like that. He just drank a lot of blueberry Kool-Aid. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Not a fan. For, for me, it's always a toss-up. Who's worse, Mr. Sinister or Apocalypse? Very tough. <laughs> Mr. Sinister's got a rough name. Yeah, that's pretty... I on the notes. Like most of the X-Men villains, except for, like, Magneto and the Brotherhood. Like, they have right. to fight someone else eventually. 
Yeah, I'm, just, look- I'm, I'm skimming through these older issues, and yeah, he, he looks pretty brutal at first, Apocalypse, but anyway. And uh, <laughs> So in this uh, issue of X-Factors, number 10, as you mentioned, written by Louise Simonson, and this is the first issue that Walt Simonson drew. That's right. Ooh. And, uh, is that why it. you picked it, Kevin Jink? Uh, that was a factor involved, for sure. We had talked about maybe doing the one before with uh, Freedom Force, but Mike Dell's like, I don't know who this artist is, but he's terrible. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, Why is Terry Shoemaker? Who's dissing Terry Shoemaker? Yeah. <laughs> well, because the cover is like Mark Silvestri, so you're thinking, oh, this is going to be awesome. Freedom yes, Force Terry. versus X-Factor, Mark Silvestri. But no, it's Terry Shoemaker. So it's like, oh, it's like a letdown. Yeah, yeah I, I, it, he's not... He's not as good, but I still do like his art. This is, but the inks are also Joe Rubenstein, who at this time was not doing good work, I don't think. so. But anyway, enough about uh, the, that. The other artist after uh, Geis left, uh, I think Keith Pollard also did some issues. Okay. But anyway, so uh, yeah, issue 10, we start the first Mutant Massacre issue here with X-Factor. Mm-hmm. And we should mention Beast loses his fur in issue 3. So now we're back to a human-looking Beast. And no, was uh, wasn't that? Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. Yep. yep. That's right. Yeah, to make it look more like the original team, like they wanted to get everyone back to status quo, right? Yeah, because he started with the fur and X Factor, and then he got kidnapped by. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, Michael, do you remember that guy Maddox? When we read that story about Beast working on that uh, when he first oh. turned furry. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that same guy Maddox uh, kidnapped him. Because Maddox, his son is Artie. That little yeah. kid Artie. Oh, I had no idea. Okay. Yeah, that evil Maddox guy. And so he was trying to find a way to cure his son. Because his son Artie is like a deformed little guy with a big head. Mm. And he's trying to find a way to cure his son. So he, he kidnaps the beast. And he wants the beast to tell him how he came up with that formula. You know, to, you know whatever he did. to turn him furry or whatever. Right. Uh, so he want to get rid of his son's mutant powers. And then he experiments on the beast, and the beast loses his fur. Mm, okay. And then Maddox ends up dying. He gets shot and killed by, like, I don't know, some security force or something. So X-Factor takes in his son, and they're watching after Artie. And then that's what brings them into the tunnels where the Morlocks are. Because I guess Artie snuck down there or something. I don't know. And they went down <laughs> to find Artie. You know why Artie went down there, Jank? Supposed to be. Um, I think, I think he was looking he, for that. Much. I thought he saw a vision of something, and he oh, had that could be. Yeah, his, his power is he can see, uh, he can take images from people's minds and like see them or something. So I don't know if he saw the massacre was coming, so he wanted to get down there and like warn. I, I don't know. But anyway, they they go down yeah, to the tunnels. He would have done much of a good, you know, be a good Paul Revere. Nah, yeah, yeah, <laughs> kid, not so much. Um, all right, so we mentioned the Mute Massacre big crossover. It's actually kind of the first one, or one of the first crossovers, right? Yes. Yeah, it pretty much started a whole annual tradition of the X-Men right. big crossovers. Yeah, that was a mixed blessing, because this first one was yeah. awesome. Right. And then each subsequent one got worse and worse and worse. And I also <laughs> got to point out, they nowhere on the cover does it say Mutant Massacre, right? Which I thought was kind of cool. Oh. Yeah. Oh, well, I, let's, I was going to say, let's get to the cover real quick, but uh, we'll save it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, before we get in the meat and massacre, let me just say that uh, this is volume one of X-Factor. 
and it ran for 139 issues from 1986 to 1998. Mm -hmm. Then we had volume two come in. That was a four issue miniseries in 2002. I did not read that. So, Jack, that was not <laughs> was good. Awful. No, it was. It had nothing to do with any of the characters you would expect. It was just like an X-Files ripoff where there was like a Mulder and Scully type of like agents for the government looking into things that involved mutants. Like, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't not think good. they even knew about that one. So that wasn't Peter David then? No, no, yeah. not at all. Ah, okay. Volume 3, I believe, is Peter David, right? Um, yep. That's where he came last- back. It lasted for 50 issues from 2005 to 2009. And then it folded back into volume one and they picked up the numbering. So, yeah. technically, right. so technically it became volume one again. And uh, like issue 299 or 300. And then it, or issue, wait, do I have that right? Uh, issue 199 from 200. And then it ran into issue 262 in 2013. Then there was an all new X Factor that ran for 20 issues in 2014. Yep. Also, by Peter. Was, yeah, that was also Peter David. And was this the one where it was like a detective agency or was that volume three? Yeah, that was three. This one was a weird one where like Polaris <laughs> was the leader and I think Gambit was on the team and like uh, probably Warlock and Cypher maybe. It was a weird lineup and they all had these like weird yellow suits and they were working for some government or not even the government. It was like a private company. Just Wait, as, like you- a dirty team. Well, you're saying Cypher. They brought Cypher back to life? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Him and Warlock both. They were both killed off. And then they came back as one creature, and then they eventually killed that thing off and brought right. you back. And... Good Lord. Yeah. No one like, I, get what, I get one to bring back Jean Grey. Big, pivotal character, popular character. Cypher? Really? You can... Yeah. You know what Cypher's superpower was, right? Yeah, he could, like, talk. Yeah. Yikes. Like the only it, significant thing he did was die. Let him yeah. stay dead. That was like, the best story he was in. Like, <laughs> yeah. They tried to like make him badass too. Like they tried to be like, oh, now he's expanded his powers. We can like read body language and know when you're gonna hit him. So he's like, <laughs> <laughs> like oh god. <laughs> he can now speak pig Latin. And, <laughs> and he can curse. In all kinds of languages. He can whisper to your bowels and make you shit yourself. <laughs> He's so great. All right, so then this year, Volume 4 of X-Factor started. 2020. Have you oh, yeah. read any of this, Jank? No, I've given up on the X-Men books recently. <laughs> <laughs> Especially once they started this whole House of X or whatever, and everything's different. It's like, nope, I'm out. Right. Huh. Interesting. Michael, have you read any of the new stuff? No, I read like maybe number one of House of X, and I thought it was well-written, but the concept just didn't interest me at all, so I just stopped there. Well, what is the concept? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like, it's, it's about, uh, uh, what is it that, I don't know. I, I can't describe it. It was just way too, um, like, uh, not grounded to me. Like, it was really science fiction-y, and I don't know, I just couldn't get into it. This wasn't X-Men to me. Yeah, it's very strange. I don't even know exactly what happened, but all of a sudden now all the mutants are friends, even like Apocalypse and Mr. Sinister. They're like <laughs> working with the X-Men and they all live together on an island and they basically all seem to hate humans. <laughs> it's pretty racist. <laughs> it turned into oh, everything wow. they used to hate. <laughs> well, that's pretty good, I guess. Uh, <laughs> House of X, Michael, maybe it's like uh, House of Mystery. 
the old DC books. Uh, could be. Could be. They just each like tell a story, and that'll be great. It'd be great if I Vampire was in there. That'd be great. <laughs> I'd buy it. Starring Storm. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So that's the X Factor total history I want to talk about. All right. So now the Mutant Massacre. It was an eleven issue story. Spanned eleven issues. Over, yeah. Let's see here. How many different titles? One, two, three, four, Six. five different titles. And one of these titles is definitely not like the others. <laughs> it, it starts in Uncanny X-Men 210. Then we got X-Factor 9, Uncanny X-Men 211, X-Factor 10, New Mutants 46, Thor 373. What? Who canceled? <laughs> yeah. uh, Power Pack 27. Yep. Uncanny X-Men 212, Thor 374. X Factor Eleven, and then it ends in Uncanny X Men Two Thirteen. Right. So, there was also a Daredevil issue in there somewhere. Uh, uh, Daredevil, Daredevil was actually after it ended, technically. Uh, oh, okay. Because he, oh, he's just oh, he's Sabertooth, Sabertooth, right? Yeah, but it technically was like after it ended. But oh, okay, right. Forgot yeah. about that one. Because I guess Sabretooth started living down in the tunnels after all the Morlocks were dead. And mm-hmm. Sounds like something he did. Yeah, like I think it was like the month after officially it ended, but you know, whatever. Same thing. Um, but yeah, Thor being involved in this, it seems weird, but then you realize, <laughs> oh, well, Louise Simonson, this was all her idea, and like Walt is her husband. So yeah, he joined in on it because he was in charge of Thor at the time. So. And that also explains Power Pack because she was writing Power Pack. Yes. Yep. yep. She created Power Pack. Yep. <laughs> But it's just so weird to have Thor mixed in here. Right. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't seem like his scene. No. Not at all. Uh, <laughs> I can't even remember why he ended up in the tunnels. Like, uh, I don't remember he, either. He through that issue a little bit. I, I think some, he was in the park like telling tales and somebody came up and was like, hey, there's shit going down in the sewer. And uh, I guess he had met one of the Morlocks a couple, you know, maybe 20 issues before. And he's like, oh, he was a good guy. I better go check this out. <laughs> I guess that explains it. All right, so uh, yeah, but that's basically the mutant massacre. Is these these team of evil dudes called the Marauders uh, go into the the tunnels underneath New York City and they start slaughtering the Morlocks, who are the mutant outcasts who live in those tunnels. And now, at the time when it started, they there was no reason for this. Like there wasn't, they were just said they were hired to go in there and kill these Marauders Mm -hmm. or the Morlocks. But then later on, they offer explanations for why it happened. And Jenk, would you care to explain the reasoning behind why it happened? <laughs> sure. I think the first one was pretty stupid. It was basically they're working for Mr. Sinister, and he had to. He said he was trying to get rid of the wild cards in the mutant race, whatever that means. It was pretty thin. Um, they tried like, to flesh I, that out later in the 90s. I think what that means <laughs> is he's trying to like thin the herd, like get rid of all the useless mutants to keep yeah. the gene pool pristine, kind of like a eugenic situation, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, I could definitely see that. I mean, that's kind of Apocalypse's MO, too. So it seems weird that, that Mr. Sinister would just be doing the same thing. But uh, So later they kind of expanded on that, and there was a whole thing about that, oh, it was actually he was trying to wipe out the Morlocks because he recognized that somebody was using his type of methods on them. Like there was somebody engineering them in a certain way that he recognized as being, you know, something that he would do. And he's like, oh, I got to take this competitor out. And it's because the competitor was the Dark Beast from the Age of Apocalypse. Mm. 
who had come back. He survived that reality and got sent into our reality 20 years you know, prior. And he had been working with the Morlocks this whole time. So he was the one kind of, you know, behind the Morlocks. And Mr. Sinister didn't like that because in the other reality, like Dark Beast was a, a, like a disciple of uh, Mr. Sinister. This is all so he was working. <laughs> yeah, I don't like any of that stuff. It's a in, little in my mind, in my version, the Morlocks are, or the Marauders are just some bad dudes who wanted to kill the Morlocks. That's all it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's really all you need. <laughs> now, do you guys know? I, I got to cut in for a second, and you know, uh, whatever. But uh, the the behind the scenes reason for the mutant massacre. Do you know about that? No. Was that basically no. uh, when they were doing the uh, Paul Smith era? I think it was Paul Smith. Uh, Chris Claremont wrote a Morlock story, and there was a scene where there was supposed to be like maybe five Morlocks, but Chris Claremont didn't specify. He just put like a crowd of Morlocks. So. Paul Smith, instead of drawing like four or five, he drew like 50. Yeah. And so it just, the idea kind of stuck. And so Claremont used the mutant massacre as a way to get rid of them all so he could pare down the number of mutants again. Mm. So that's, yeah, that's why he did it. I like that. Makes that. sense. There yeah. Any <laughs> oh, it's only gotten worse since then. Right. <laughs> now everyone, or an inhuman. It's like, how does society even function now if everyone has powers? Right. I'm trying to think back to that story uh, Paul Smith would have done. Was that the one where Angel got kidnapped? Uh, yeah, and that's where Storm fought. What was her name? It became a Callisto. Callisto. Yeah, and then she became leader of the Morlocks. Is that is that when she fought Callisto, or did she fight Callisto later when uh, Kitty Pride Caliban was supposed to marry Kitty Pride and they kidnapped Kitty Pride? Oh, I think she fought her in the Paul Smith run, and uh, the Kitty Pride marriage that was uh, John Romita Jr. Yeah, but that's not when she fought Callisto? No, I think it was like uh, a year later or something. I it's a real know, because... first couple of Morlock stories. They got to kidnap somebody so they could date them, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but, See, I don't think that's then... true, though. I got to c- confirm that, Mike. I'll Google that up. Because All when right. Storm fought Callisto, she had her mohawk and everything. Yeah, she got her mohawk with Paul Smith. Yeah, but then she... did She, she didn't lose her powers to like 181, though, right? Uh, I don't know. We're just talking out of her hats here. I don't know. <laughs> I thought she had her powers when she was fighting Callisto. But she couldn't use them. Yeah, because it was underground. <laughs> I don't know. Or because I think it was maybe part of the the rules of the battle. Like, you can't be doing that shit. <laughs> None of that weather <laughs> shit. <laughs> All right. Are you Googling this, Michael? Oh, I thought you were. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I was waiting to hear your clicking away. You always click oh, away. Click, clickety clack. Hold on here. X Men number one eighty. What did you say? When did Storm fight Callisto? That's all you got to do. Oh, one seventy is the cover of them. You know, fighting. Oh well, there. Uh, all right, so that is Paul Smith. Yeah. yeah so I was right. But did she, did she have her mohawk in one seventy? No, she uh, didn't. No. Doesn't. So yeah. she must have got it like a couple issues later. Yeah, one seventy one and seventy two is when Wolverine's in Japan and she meets Yuki, what the Yoki or whatever, and then, right? We really yeah. sound like comic book authorities right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that definitely sounds right, and that's when Rogue joins. Yeah, because remember, because remember, Wolverine had the one lady he was going to marry, and then he also knew another Japanese girl who was kind of like a wild girl, and her and Storm became buddies, 
and she taught mm-hmm. Storm how to live it, you know, be wild and crazy. So then Storm cut her hair like a mohawk. So <laughs> I'm looking right now. Okay, so Kitty Pride married Caliban or was going to marry him in 179. 175, I think, was John Romita Jr.'s first issue. So it was like, this was like four issues after Paul Smith left. So what issue did she fight? Uh, uh, what's his name? 170. So there was only a couple issues later. They were back like, to the right. line. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, first of all, Mike, oh, Callisto's a lady. She's not a fella. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I didn't say... I, did I say he? Yeah, you said what's his oh, name. whoops. All right. <laughs> I mean, sure, she wasn't exactly attractive, but still a lady. <laughs> right. but, uh, all it's right. true. Give her the respect she's earned. So, again, it, it's, a, it's a span of uh, 10 issues, and we're very old. It's easy right. to... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just calm the fuck down out there. If you're upset. <laughs> I'm right. sure you guys make tons of angry letters. Right. Yes. Letters, yep. <laughs> we won't hear about them for a week, so it's okay. So, um, all right. So, uh, yeah, the meat and massacre are killing the world. All right, I think we're, we're set. Can we talk about the issue now? Is that yeah, but one more thing you got to talk about. One more thing is this cover design, right? Well, yeah, I was going to talk about the cover. Yeah. All right, all right. Go ahead, talk about it, Michael. Well, yeah, so this was, uh, this month was the 25th anniversary of Marvel Comics, specifically Fantastic Four number one, which was considered the beginning of the Marvel Universe. Although since then, they've kind of stopped celebrating that, and they kind of just celebrate, you know, 1941 or whatever, or no, 39. They celebrate Marvel Comics number one with the Submariner and the Human Torch. That's the beginning of the Marvel Universe now. But at this point, they kind of ignored most of that stuff and just started with Fantastic Four number one, right? So for this month to celebrate, every Marvel comic had a face shot of one of the members of either the start of the book or if it was a team, it was a member of the team. And they had a little border with most of the major Marvel superheroes around the face. And these covers are all pretty much awesome. Yeah. I love them. All told, there are 29 of these covers. Oh, cool. And yeah, the rule was you can only feature one character on the cover. And the one we have for X Factor today, it's just Cyclops staring right at the camera. Right. <laughs> but there are yeah. some pretty creative variations on it, like uh, the Spider Man one for Amazing Spider Man, he's hanging upside down. Right. Uh, the, the one for X Men's tremendous. Yeah, that one's great. I think it's, I don't know how Mask is on there, but it, it looks cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like X Men 211, I believe, right? And. Is that oh, Wolverine! Yeah, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. half his mask is ripped off and cut because he's fighting Sabretooth, so right, he's all beat up. Um, and then don't forget, well, there's a nice Barry Windsor Smith cover for New Mutants. That's pretty cool. Yeah, except oh, you yeah. don't even really realize that's magic, though. I mean, it's just a blonde haired girl. It's like, oh, that's magic. All right. Oh. Thor is really good with the beard. That was a good one. Yeah, and that is uh, who did that? Is that Walt? Walt uh, Simonson. Yeah. Um, there's a weird one for Fantastic Four. Thing is in a trench coat and a hat. Oh, right, right. I remember that. Yeah, hiding his face. Yeah, that's weird. Like he's a flasher. <laughs> the Avengers isn't very good either. Like Black Knight, who canceled? Yeah, I think, I think it's because all the other guys had their own books, so he was probably one of the only ones without his own title. Yeah, that does make sense. Um, man, Mike like, Yo- Avengers with the Hawkeye winking. That one's pretty cool. Yeah, that was yeah. kind of weird, but. G.I. Joe has snake eyes with the Uzi. But Mike L., the Transformer one, can you recognize that robot? You mean Menasaur? That's right. Oh, yeah. That's, that's right. 
Because <laughs> some people think it's Megatron or something, but no, it's not Megatron. <laughs> yeah. um, another good one uh, is Alpha Flight, because you got oh. Vindicator on the cover, and if you look closely in her glasses, you see the reflection of the rest of the team. Oh, that's right. Yeah. How uh, they cheated. Yeah, it's a pretty clever way to get around the restriction. Uh, but as you mentioned, Michael, we got the border with all these heroes. Mm-hmm. We have uh, from left to right. Well, let's go clockwise, I guess. From top right around to the left, you got Thor, all the Fantastic Four. Uh, Luke Cage snuck in there. Good for you, Luke Cage. Yeah. No Iron, no iron Fist. Beat it. No, we don't want your. <laughs> that's true. Here. That's true. You're right. Well, wasn't he uh, yeah. dead at this point? I think he was dead or depowered. Oh, maybe. Um, we have uh, Hawkeye, uh, Vision, Scarlet Witch, Daredevil. Then we have X Factor. X-Men right at the bottom center, because they're the tops. Yeah. And then look under the little uh, barcode. There's Puck. Puck is sneaking in there. Oh, okay. <laughs> it says to represent Alpha Flight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ant-Man's and down then, there, too. Very tiny. Yeah, to the left of the uh, code, you get a little bit of Ant-Man and Wasp. And then we have Captain America, Namor, Doctor Strange, uh, the uh, other Captain Marvel. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was her name? Rambo? Or oh, last Monica name? Rambo. Rambo. Yeah. Then we have the silver and red Iron Man, Hulk, and then a black outfit Spidey. And do you know who drew that border, Michael? That's a good question. I yeah, I don't know, actually. John Romita Sr. Really? See, I would have guessed him, but it doesn't really look like him. But yeah, yeah it, it doesn't. Sense. Yeah, right. it makes sense that he would do it, though. Uh, I, I can't believe you didn't mention um, the worst one of all, Web of Spider-Man, where it's just the circle logo of Spidey's face. Yeah, because, like, the spider <laughs> logo. What, what was that, the spider uh, sign or signal? He yeah, like, from his yeah. Head, yeah. Oh, that one is terrible. Because Spider-Man had four books, so they yeah. kind of just ran out of ideas. <laughs> they right? ran out of ideas. <laughs> I like the one, they made one, like, uh, look like a Ditko-era Spider-Man, even though Ditko did not draw it. Oh, was that uh, which one? Which one was that? Uh, oh, was it Marvel Tales? Marvel Tales, uh, right? No. Yeah, yeah Mar- Marvel Tales, starring the sensational Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, it, it was actually still Marvel Tales. Yeah, it was. Holy fuck! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's too late in the game for Marvel Tales to still be around. Eighty-six. Well, it lasted yeah. a while longer, I think, too. Yeah. But yeah, Ditko did not do that drawing, but it looks very much like Ditko. So. Yeah, it's probably it's probably Ron Friends, I think. I don't think, actually. No? I want to say it's Mark Bright. But, oh, uh, no. You want to... Would you care to make it interesting? <laughs> uh, well, I just read... I'm not looking at it now, but I just read it last night. I yeah, it's not Ron Friends. Um, okay. I was positive. All right, that's fine. I liked it even like the the uh, not really Marvel superhero comics, but the Star comics and stuff like that. Oh yeah, I, like I like the Care Bears and shit. Even yep. have the yeah Muppet Babies. <laughs> yeah, so cool Ewoks. <laughs> they got everything. I forgot there was two Conan ones too. I'm looking at them all right now. And then oh, we forgot to mention it's also cool because like you said, there can only be one per cover. And uh, Cloak and Dagger had Cloak. And Dagger was yes. reflected, right, in his little, whatever that is. Oh, I didn't even notice it. Medallion, yeah. Yeah, so they got around that as well. Then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have gone with Dagger myself. Anytime you can see more Dagger, I'm in. <laughs> the classic <laughs> X-Men cover had a nice picture of Storm drawn by Art Adams. 
Oh yeah, that's right. That was good. Um, the Hulk had a uh, Herb Trimp doing an old school Hulk picture. Right. Yeah. And Mike, another interesting note: uh, the Marvel Age cover has your buddy Starbrand on it. <laughs> right. Right. And on the they're the because Marvel Age didn't have advertising on the back. Okay. If you look at the back cover, it shows everything from behind. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> nice. The back of his hair. I've always <laughs> been wondering. But it shows the whole border, too. Like, all the border guys from behind. That's very cool. Okay, I'm looking at Marvel Tales number 193, and I'm trying to find who drew the cover. <laughs> but it doesn't say. I can't find it. Son of a gun. I found it. And it's... Wait, I thought I found it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it, it did say Ron Friends, and you're like, oh, got him. Yeah, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> well, I went to Marvel Fandom. They always have the cover. Yeah, rights. they don't have it. I know that's yeah. right, too. That's well, funny. Well, I read an article last night. It ranked all the 29 covers, and they showed the cover artist of everybody, and now I can't find that article. Hold on. <laughs> talk, talk amongst yourselves. Hey, talk <laughs> about uh, Walt Simonson's autograph and that picture, Michael. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, Kevin Jank, are you aware of what his signature is supposed to be? Uh I am not. No, it is supposed to be a dinosaur, a brontosaurus. Oh really? Yeah, isn't that oh. cool? Yeah, I can kind of see it. It's very unique. I like it. Yeah, uh, I, I guess. What's that? Just write it where it actually looks like my name. <laughs> I wish I was one of these people who actually had like a fancy signature. Yeah, I know, eh? Uh, what was I going to say? I, I do like Walt Simonson, but I do think his Thor stuff was slightly better than his X-Factor stuff. Like, um, uh, yeah, I, the art in this issue we're doing today is pretty solid, but if you look at the, um, the ones after this, it can be a little rough at times. Yeah, a little rushed. But yes. I, yeah, his Thor stuff was really good. But anyway, are you still looking, Mike Dell? Yeah, we'll f I'll find it at some point. We'll just okay. keep talking. Okay, okay. <laughs> so I guess we should get to the issue. We might as well, right? Yeah, go ahead. While we're all here. Right. Yeah, yeah. First of all, I got to say, I love this. First of all, I love this logo. Is this not one of the coolest logos you've ever seen? The X-Factor? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that what I we're talking guess. about today? I think, okay, but... I think it's awesome because you know it's breaking like, new ground or anything. Oh, right. it's like you could pick this up and put it on your desk. It's so cool, you know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, All it's right. the same kind of thing they do with the X Men, but they put the X on top instead of on the side, and then oh. they kind of change the perspective a little bit. But well, it's got also, the box lettering. If you look at the X Force logo, it's this exact logo just taken <laughs> apart and turned sideways and twisted around. It's kind of cool. Of course, yeah, yeah. I, whenever I tell people that, it doesn't impress them at all. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like this logo. Also, what we should note, this is, this is the time where this was the beginning of the Marvel 25th anniversary logo on the top left, right? So for this whole year, it just said Marvel 25th anniversary. So that was kind of cool. And we have Angel in the character box. Right. Foreshadowing right. that something might happen to Angel oh, this oh. issue. Yeah, <laughs> in case the name Fallen Angel didn't give it away enough. As well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love the shot of Cyclops. is great. I've always loved it. One of my favorite characters. Let me reiterate that. But anyway. 
It does kind of show the the uh, essence of Cyclops, though, not having any yeah. fun, just standing there. And <laughs> yeah. <stop. laughs> yep. But yeah, great cover, great cover. So yeah, we can go inside now. Um, yeah. So basically, we come in in the middle of some Morlocks hanging out in the uh, what do they call this? The alley, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought so it was just a tunnel. Well, yeah. yeah, but the main stretch of, of 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 tunnel is called the alley. It's like the yeah, main street. Yeah, did not street. know that. Yep. Yeah, it's like their main street. And so they're basically hey, hanging out. Hey, Michael. What? Breaking news. Breaking it news. wasn't Mark Bright, and it wasn't Ron Friends. It was Steve Lytle. Really? See, that's oh, why I was thinking Bright, crap. because light. Lytle. Oh, okay. <laughs> Steve Lytle. <laughs> wow. I never would have guessed that. Huh. We were both wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Lost our street cred. And he goes to me. Yep. <laughs> you got so busted. <laughs> All right. Well, at least you weren't right. But anyway. Um, <laughs> story. So basically, the Morlocks are chilling out. And then they hear. And then we know they hear something. Not because we actually hear it. But because they tell us they hear it. Erg, Zeke, I think maybe I hear it now. Yeah, I hear it now too, popping, and it sounds like screams. It's coming closer. It, oh my lord. Cut to the next page, and we got a really nice double page spread of, uh, I, don't, I don't remember which guy this is, but he's getting <laughs> blown apart by like three different uh, marauders here. He's getting a. Um, well, no, he's just getting a harpoon from harpoon. No, but he's also getting shot with a gun. I think Scalp Hunter. Oh, no, yeah, he's shooting the wall. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, fine. fine. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, dig the perspective there, Michael. It's going behind him, and ah, uh, I thought it was hitting him. Okay, so he's getting shot, and then what's his name is shooting everyone else. Okay, okay. See, this is a pretty freaking big um, sewer here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's quite the complex. <laughs> right. It's got cathedral ceilings. Yeah, <laughs> you got to pay a little extra for your sewers with cathedral ceilings, but it's worth it. <laughs> Mm. Uh, but all the blocks. they want that space for themselves this, so this, is, this is a great i guess this is a double page spread right in the main yeah yeah. yeah yep sure is so on the left we see our first glimpse of the marauders we see scalp hunter from behind and uh and we have harpoon saber tooth blockbusters back there and arc light is in the foreground as well um should we talk about the i guess we should name the marauders scalp hunter michael who's scalp hunter <laughs> I don't really know. I, I don't know much about these guys. I mean, I've read all the X Men, but I don't really remember much about them. Uh, most of them made their first appearance in X Men Two Ten, although a couple of them did not. We'll get to them in a minute. But uh, like Scalp Hunter, Harpoon, Arclight, they all appeared in X Men Two Ten. Um, Scalp Hunter is like a six foot six American Indian fella who mm. was in the military during, I think they said World War Two. So he's like an older guy. I don't know how he's so old. Um, yeah, I think cloning. Yeah, the, I was going to say bunch by Mister Sinister. So yeah. that was another thing we'll talk about later. But uh, but his power is he can take metal and transform it into a weapon. Like he can shape it, and that's why his costume's kind of like covered in metal parts. He can take them off and make them into guns. Mm. That's his power. That's cool. And I guess. <laughs> and we have harpoon. <laughs> He's like an Inuit fella, and he uh, he throws harpoons. But when he throws like them, they turn haircut. into energy. Ah, that's why he, this guy's exploding. Yeah, got hit with an energy beam. Arc Light, uh, she was in Vietnam, and uh, she was like a soldier in Vietnam, and 
her name Arclight comes from like uh, B-52 bombers bombing things. They call them Arclight. So her power is she can like stomp or hit the ground and cause like shockwaves. And she's real strong. Uh, that blockbuster guy is real strong as well. Yeah, kind of redundant there, but whatever. <laughs> and everyone knows Sabretooth. Right. Yeah, that's the big one. There's a couple other ones in here. Prism. He's cool. Yeah, while he lasts. He's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about him later. Uh, him Riptide, not long for this world. Yeah, Riptide's mm-hmm. not in here because Riptide's already dead, right? Yeah, yeah I don't Maybe. know if he's dead yet because there's probably only that first issue of the Mutant Master. But I, think he, so. I think he died in, 2000, in issue 210, right? Colossus just grabs his neck. And... Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. That's like the first time Colossus kills or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. We, we should mention X Men 210. They fight the Marauders, and Colossus gets mortally injured by Riptide, mm-hmm. who's this old guy who can spin around and shoot like ninja stars mm-hmm. out of his body. And he drove him into Cyclo- or Colossus's body, but Colossus was able to kill him. Uh, and then Magneto healed Colossus, but in doing so, he kind of like paralyzed him by reshaping his metal. So Colossus is basically in a coma, kind of. Um, Nightcrawler was, was okay for the most part, except he couldn't change back into his human form. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it would. Well, he, like, would... he had to recover a little bit, though. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, he was. And then when he came, when he came back to being around, he was stronger than he was, right? Yeah. Because Magneto, I guess, amped him up or something. <laughs> but uh, Nightcrawler had already been injured in a battle with Nimrod, so he was weakened already, and then. Uh, in that battle, he got cut up by Riptide, which is why Colossus killed Riptide, because he injured Nightcrawler. And then Shadowcat, Kitty Pride, took a harpoon from Harpoon while she was phased, and somehow it made it that she could not return to her tangible form. She just stayed phased. Right. Yeah. She was like a ghost. Yeah, so the X-Men took some lumps. And that yeah, did. <laughs> now, did you guys know Chris Claremont's secret plan... For Mutant Massacre and why he did all that. Well, you said to kill the Morlocks. Well, no, but, but why he specifically injured all his X-Men is because his original idea... Sorry, was, no, well, well, what it was was he was like, well, I want to do what happened in X-Men, Giant Size X-Men. I'm going to kill off or get rid of most of the team and just keep Wolverine and Storm. And so that's why, if you, that's why he was basically planning to get rid of Colossus, Kitty Pride, and Nightcrawler. And then have Storm and Wolverine start a new team with um, Longshot, Psylocke, Dazzler, and was it Havoc? Yep. It was Havoc, yeah. But I think he kind of got cold feet, brought back Colossus, and then kept Kitty Pride and Nightcrawler around in Excalibur. But that was his original plan. It's just to have a completely new team. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he essentially had a new team. But... Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it just wasn't as big an event. Like, I think if they would have made it like a one-issue big thing, like here's the new team, it would have stuck. But because it was gradual, I just didn't think. I don't think it really caught on, you know. Yeah, I did like that team. That was a that was a fun team. Yeah, that was like when I when I first got into X Men, that was the team. So you know, that was my era. Yeah, the whole Australia thing. Yeah, the Outback. Yeah, cool. and Mark Silvestri was doing the art during that time. Right. Yep. I yeah. Agree. So uh, a couple other more, uh, more or I always want to say Morlocks, Marauders. We didn't mention uh, Scrambler is also in here, and his powers. If he touches, you can scramble your mutant ability. <laughs> uh, 
and then vertigo as well. Now vertigo, uh, her power, she can make you feel sick. Like you got vertigo, dizzy and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had fought her before because she was in the savage land. Yeah, and the mutates. Yes. So her and uh, Sabretooth had been around before, but all the other ones are pretty much new. Right, yeah, Sabretooth was introduced in what, Iron Fist, I think? Yes, Iron Fist right. 17, I believe. Right. So. Yeah, no hint of his connection to Wolverine, you know, before this. This is where that all started. Really? Okay. Yeah. Huh. I don't think they had ever fought before until this. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and their fight in X-Men 211 is tremendous. And yes. then 12 too, right in there, too. Um, but so what was I going to say? Oh, Jake, here's what I want to ask you. I like I love the Marauders just in concept. I don't like the Mr. Sinister crap, but oh, we should also mention Gambit was tied into the Marauders too, right? They retconned yes. that Gambit was the yeah, one he that led, he led them to the tunnels in the first place and got them past their defenses, quote unquote. But what defenses do they have? It seems like anyone can just yeah. water right? <laughs> sewer grate. He <laughs> yeah. got them through the sewer grate. Uh, <laughs> I think he also recruited the Marauders and Apparently, he used to work at a truck stop diner with Scalp Hunter. That's how he met Scalp Hunter. Oh, really? <laughs> I, don't, yep. I don't know. Yeah. Um, tried to eventually make Scalp Hunter kind of a hero. Like, he wasn't actually that bad of a guy. I don't know. <laughs> sure seems like it in this issue, though. Yeah. Because he's murdering people left and right. Yeah, and the reason he got his name Scalp Hunter was because when he was in the military, he murdered eight of his fellow soldiers and took their scalps. Yikes. And- <laughs> and he, so they killed him in a firing squad, but he also has like healing ability. So, oh, I guess that's why he sold. He has a healing ability. Oh, okay. So he was able to survive. Um, so there's a lot uh, that going around in World War II, like Nick Fury, you know, he, 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 he yeah. can live forever. <laughs> Wait, what, what I wanted to ask you about the Marauders, Jank, real quick, is while I love the Marauders, the villain team, apparently now Kitty Pride's leading a Marauders team. Yeah, I, I <laughs> again, this is just where it's like, yeah, everything goes now. All the villains are heroes and every it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it makes no sense. Let's name a team after that group of people that murdered hundreds of mutants. Let's name a team yeah. after them. I think they also have a Hellions, too. Like, why would you want to be the Hellions? <laughs> Emma Frost, like, New Mutants, you know, rivalry team. It just seems like they're recycling old names and all the old ideas, but they're just reshuffling the deck. You know, that's what it seems yeah. like. Without and any, that, it's, and that team is it. like it's Kitty Pride, uh, like Bishop. Mm. Um, I think Storm. Maybe it's like a weird assortment of people. Yeah. People, yeah. All the teams seem like that now. Right, like I agree. This. Like a hodgepodge of just. I don't, and that's the thing is, I do like Peter David's X Factor, but one thing I didn't like about it was how, like, it was just kind of like leftover X Men, you know? <laughs> I could totally see that, but the good thing was, is actually he did a lot of cool things with those leftovers. Like, he took the things that nobody wanted to use anymore, but still had a lot of life in them and found new ways to use them, which I appreciated. Because right. what is when they keep introducing new team of young mutant after new team of young mutants, and like, then they just forget about them after nine issues and they're gone and you'll never see them again. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, he, he brought multiple man back, or, or right, uh, Jamie Maddox? Madrox, Madrox. right, oh. right. Yeah, he was the leader of that team. He was one of the greatest characters uh, in all of comics, in my opinion, <laughs> under Peter David. And he also breathed new life into Quicksilver, correct? Like, he made Quicksilver kind of cool. 
Yeah, he did. You're right. I think he kind of gave him the personality he has now of being really impatient, right? And just being a complete asshole, I think. (laughs) Yeah, because everything moves so fast for him. He's got no time for people who move at regular speed. Right. So, all right, getting back to the main story here. Right. <laughs> all right, so back we got the Mirage. Page two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, we're on page two. <laughs> Longest episode ever. Okay, so then we, uh, and, you know, yeah, we cut over to X Factor. Oh, and by the way, I got to point out something. This is confusing as heck because the <laughs> book is called X Factor. Yes. But oh, yeah. when they're in their superhero identities, they're not X Factor. They're the Exterminators. <laughs> yes. Yes. When they're disguised as like the Ghostbusters, they're X Factor. Yes, we forgot to explain all this. Yes. So in issue one of X Factor, Cameron Hodge, Warren Worthington's old college roommate, has an idea how they can help mutants. They're going to be uh, calling themselves X Factor. They will go and investigate reports of mutant activity, and they will be like uh, advertised as a government agency that will apprehend these mutants and take them away from society. But really what they'll be doing is taking these mutants to like an Xavier school kind of setup to train them how to use their powers. Um, and then like Mike, I was saying when, but when they're doing that, they're dressed like the ghostbusters, <laughs> so right, right. all blue outfits. Angel has a giant backpack <laughs> to cover his wings. Right. Cyclops still has his red glasses yet. No one could figure out, Oh, these five people that look like that are these five people. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. The guy with the huge hands who was on the team. He also, and then there's this huge hands guy on this. <laughs> yeah. And there's a redheaded lady on both teams. And then there's a dude with red glasses and then wait, no, they have to be totally different. Totally different. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's very convoluted. <laughs> They're always seen in the same place at the same time. Very strange. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know. It's weird. But also, it would have been so much easier to make the Ghostbusters the Exterminators because the name fits, right? Yes. And then make the superheroes yeah. X Factor. I don't know. Yep. This wasn't well thought out. No, nope. none of it was. <laughs> <laughs> Just the idea of like we're gonna fan the flames of human mutant hatred to try to get mutants on our side. Like what? Right. Well, well, I guess Cameron Hodge was he's an evil guy, kind of. So he yes. was trying to play that angle. But you think they would have picked up on like, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this. <laughs> you know, but, but I think wasn't that an idea that Louise Simonson introduced to explain the stupid idea? Because I think even in this book, one of the characters, I think it's like Boom Boom or Skids is like, it's yeah. Yeah, like, what a stupid idea that is. And I think that's almost like their commentary on Bob Layton's idea. It could be anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, especially when anyway. I think their whole purpose for like making X Factor was like Magneto's running the X Men now. He's bad. We can't go there. Oh, that's like, right. Part of the X Men. Right. Let's start this stupid idea. <laughs> right, right. Basically, be bad guys. Okay. Yeah. Keep in mind, Cyclops oh, can't wow. join the X Men because of Magneto. He's a bad guy leading the team, but he can leave his wife and child in a <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so, all right. So anyway. So the exterminators, who are the original X-Men, have rescued Skids and Rusty Collins, and they're trying to transport them through the tunnels, right, to get them to safety. And who were Skids and Rusty Collins? Oh, good question. (laughs) Rusty Collins was introduced in X-Factor number one, and he's someone who, didn't he, wasn't he on a date with his girlfriend, and his powers manifested themselves during he a, was in the military, like he was in the navy oh, or something. Okay, 
and he was meeting with a lady at dinner. I guess it was a date or she was a pro. I can't remember. I think it was a prostitute, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. And he lost control of his powers and everyone knew. His, and his powers are basically like a human torch. Like he can shoot fire and stuff. Right. And um, shot fire, so to speak, and burn yeah. this girl. And I think they did he kill her. I can't remember. I think she went. I think she was in the hospital, all burned up, from what I remember. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But this so the ex, yeah, so he's the first mutant that they got called on to go investigate and to apprehend. Mm-hmm. And now I don't know why. I guess oh, they had a fight with the Freedom Force, who the Freedom for, Force at this time was the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants: Mystique, Pyro, Blob, Avalanche. All the, they're now the Freedom Force, and they're working for the government. So all the good guys are bad, and all the bad guys are good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. strange times for me. And to just confuse things even more, Rusty and Skids, this girl who has a, she has like a personal force field around her all the time, so she can skid on things. I don't know, but they <laughs> eventually become a team called Exterminators. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, <laughs> oh, that's right. They had the miniseries. That's right. Limited series. Yeah. Yep. That see, that's bad. That's just really bad. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like when um, there's so many instances of this, just like when Captain America became Nomad, but then Bucky three came back and he became Nomad. Remember that? <laughs> anyway, it doesn't That's matter. The long haired. Yeah. Yep, yep. Okay. Back to the story. Page three. Okay. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> okay. So the exterminators are with Rusty and Skids. They come across uh, the mutants getting massacred because it is the mutant massacre. And basically, they confront them, and they start well, the fisticuffs. Well, first, Angel and Jean Grey are taking... Rusty was injured, so they're taking him and Skids back to their headquarters. That's right. They split up. They split up, yeah. yeah. So we just have Cyclops, Beast, and Iceman now in the tunnels. Right. Confronting the uh, Marauders. Yeah, they're looking for Artie, who is lost down there somewhere. Yeah. Right. And they hear the screams, Right. Yep. They follow the screams, and they come across um, more Murlocs getting shot. And then that's when they see the Marauders. They see, who is this? This is, uh, who is this? Art, no. That's Har- <laughs> Harpoon kills Zeke. <laughs> Zeke catches a Harpoon in the back. And then we see Arc Light and Harpoon about to kill the other people. And we get an expression of Iceman, Cyclops, and Beast. No. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Harpoon's getting it done in this issue. He's taking yeah. them off. Harpoon is all over the place in this issue. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so Beast goes to jump at Harpoon, and Harpoon just stabs him with his, his harpoon and cuts out his side. Yikes. Him in the side. Gross. <laughs> my, my side. <laughs> <laughs> my, my side. I love that. <laughs> it made him stutter. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and then and I he... love... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Michael. Well, no, I was just going to say, I love this effect that uh, Walt Simonson does for Cyclops' eyes. The way he makes them glow like that, it's so cool. I like the effect he does with the harpoon here when he's throwing the harpoon at Iceman right above that Cyclops picture. But look at the, the harpoon, the, the pole of it. It's kind of bent a little bit. Yeah, good of, point. To, good. to kind of give it like more snap and action in the throw. You know, uh-huh. it's kind of cool. Yeah, it is cool. I also love the way he draws Iceman. That's out there yeah this is Iceman is like the big icicle guy uh, or like the big block of ice guy and this is before remember his powers go out of control not too long after this and he has to wear a belt oh. like a uh, right. wrestling heavyweight yep. belt to control right. it <laughs> yeah. that's right an Asgardian belt yeah. yeah 
Uh, oh, that's anyway. right. Yeah, it was Asgardian. Anyway, so then, uh, yeah, so then Cyclops shoots the harpoon. Well, he tries to. Um, the oh, harpoon he just deflects it? Yeah, Iceman blocks the harpoon with an ice wall. And then Cyclops tries to shoot harpoon. And that scares them away. So Arclight hits the side of the tunnel to cause a co- ceiling collapse. Right. So Arclight and Harpoon can get away. And Cyclops shoots up all the uh, debris. Right. He's like a wide eye beam on Pulverize will stop. Oh, I see. Pulverize is the setting. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I got it. Okay. Yeah. He's got like, <laughs> got, like Pulverize, uh, <laughs> Tingle, Massage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that kind of thing. Popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You need to make some popcorn. Right. How about we heat things up tonight? Ooh, how so? Get a little fresh. Add some steam, sizzle, and spice. <laughs> Wait, you're talking about going to Outback again, aren't you? Fire things up at Outback Steakhouse. For a limited time, try our Bloomin' Fried Shrimp or get fresh with our new strawberry salad. Go big with our bone-in ribeye or the filet and grilled shrimp on the barbie. Then cool off with a cucumber crush or peanut koala. Try them all before they're gone. Let's Outback. It's tremendous. It's so, really funny, yeah. So then they keep walking, they keep talking. If you read enough Louise Simons in comics, you'll see that they're all kind of like this. People walking and talking, you know? Yeah. It's like the West Wing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, so then basically, uh, so then, yeah, so then Skids is like, you know, Rusty says X-Factor's okay, but I figure, well, he was with them for a while. They're probably brainwashed him or something. I've seen the X-Factor ads and the effect they've had on some people. So, you know, she's kind of explaining anything. And see, here's the thing is I'll give Louise Simonson credit for one thing. She doesn't do those Marvel-style flashbacks where they summarize, like, ten issues in, like, two pages. She just explains it all through dialogue, which can be worse, but whatever. At least it's something different. <laughs> yeah, it's fine the way she's doing it here, I guess. Yeah, it's not, it's not terrible. Because this girl, the skids is a teenage girl. He's just kind of rambling at the mouth, so it's fine. Right, right. And then here we have... Uh, it- they, uh, Skids is one of the Morlocks, so it kind of makes this personal for her. And it's weird that she's a Morlock because she looks totally normal. Yeah, because most of them are all yeah. kind of like unsightly, right? And she yeah. kind of looks exactly like Boom Boom without glasses. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it gets very confusing. Right. <laughs> they introduced Boom Boom in like two issues from now, so yep. I don't right. know what, what they were thinking. Could we give one of them brown hair? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that would have helped. <laughs> So then, yeah, so then uh, Angel checks back in with Cameron Hodge, who's kind of like their boss. And then, um, what's her name? Skids is like, whoa, you're working with Cameron Hodge, the PR guy for X Factor. I've seen him on TV. You said we'd be safe. You were lying to me. You're X Factor. So this is where it gets confusing for her and for the reader. <laughs> yes. um, and, then, and then Angel's trying to explain X Factor hunts mutants, but to teach them con- to control their often dangerous powers, like Rusty's firepower. Blah, blah, blah. So they're trying to convince her she doesn't believe them. So then Marvel, well, they didn't call her Marvel Girl, but Jean Grey uses her telekinesis to, like, uh, trap her in some metal, right? Yeah. And, what better way to prove to someone you're yeah. good people than yeah. encasing them in metal so they can't leave? <laughs> right. Well, well, she's talking to her at the time saying, you know, if you just stay with us a day or so, and <laughs> if, if you see that we're bad, we'll let you go or whatever. But I don't, yep. She's Stop trying to calm it by talking to her. But, yeah, it's yeah. not exactly... Uh, a nice cult uh, way to host a visitor in case them in a metal. Um, but we should mention Jean Grey when she came out of her cocoon under uh, Jamaica Bay or wherever she was. Um, 
she uh, her telepathic powers got reduced, but her telekinetic powers got stronger. Right. Yeah. So. Yep. I can't remember if that was more like the way she used to be or less like the way she used to be, like in the early days. I don't know. I think initially she was just telepathic, right? Hmm. No, no, no. She was, she was always telekinetic. Yeah. Yeah. And Professor was like the telepath and she was the telekinetic. I think that's how they balanced it out. Right. Oh, all right. Fair enough. I never read any of the real early X-Men. So. That's pretty good stuff. Um, right. All right. So now we're cutting back to the tunnels again. And we got the three amigos. We get <laughs> Leech. He's a little green kid whose power oh. is... Uh, he can sap mutant abilities. So when he's around, he leeches your power. We have Caliban. who's like, uh, he's a tracker, right? Is that his? He can sense other mutants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we have our buddy Artie and his uh, teddy bear. He carries his teddy bear with him. And, uh, and he is the one who can speak in like kind of holograms, right? Or projections. Yeah. He can take people's thoughts and project them. But he also communicates that way. Like if he wants to tell you something, he'll just create a picture of it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, he's the son of the guy who gave the beast he was work beast was working for when he got the fur and all that. So. Right, right, right. So then yeah, out of the blue comes Sabretooth, right? Yeah, because Caliban can't use his powers if he's close to Leech. So he says, Hey, I'm gonna walk away a little bit to see if I can sense anything. And right when he's getting away, Sabretooth comes in and cracks him. Right. And then, yeah, and Sabretooth's like, don't, uh, oh, yeah, he's like, leech, big eyes, danger, run, get out of the, or get out of, don't count on it, chump, ain't nothing gonna dull Sabretooth's claws or his senses. Someone coming, who? <laughs> <laughs> and then the Artie and Leech hide in, in this little sewer, and then. Yeah, in the hole, fast. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, like my honey I lost my virginity, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so he's shoving, uh already into like a sewer pipe and then leech climbs in and then the camera switches to inside the sewer pipe and as we're looking out we see an optic blast that's right tracked yep it's cyclops my hero come to <laughs> save the day so yeah, yeah he shoots saber tooth saber tooth is down and then oh i guess they don't even realize Artie and leech are there so they just take off right yeah, yeah, but for, notice, notice, like Iceman's very concerned for Sabretooth. He's like, psych. Like, you shot him too hard. <laughs> he's murdering people. <laughs> yeah. It's like, he's trying to kill us. Yeah. How many others did he kill? But he's alive so far. <laughs> dun, dun. But he's got a very yeah. good heat factor, apparently, because even on like Cyclops' highest setting, he's back in two seconds. Well, yeah, because he lowered it to popcorn. It yeah. Wasn't pulverized. <laughs> yeah. So, and and oh. Artie wants to sneak out of the pipe because the X Factor they're his buddies, so he wants to get out and tell say, hey, here I am, it's me, Artie. But Leech is like, no, stranger's bad, stranger's bad. But you know, it's funny because they're only like fifteen feet away. They yeah, both Simon should have drawn them. I don't know, they should have been hiding in a more, you know, hidden place or something. Because it's yeah. just weird that they're right there and they can't see them. But anyway. But it's kind I of tough to keep. He just can't it? get in there somehow, even though a full-sized man like Caliban got in there. But <laughs> right. So then, yeah, then Sabretooth is doing his classic, you know, bad guy that quotes a fairy tale or like a children's song, right, to to sound menacing. You know, uh, I'll take oh. it, it'll it'll take more than that to stop me, little piggies. Shall I prove it? Shall I huff and puff and blow your house down? 
and then it cuts away. Yeah, because Sabretooth, they think he's KO'd, so they leave because they don't know already. In the, they just leave Caliban there to bleed out, I guess. They don't care about Caliban. Um, so while Cyclops, Beast, and Iceman leave, Artie and Leech are pulling them into the, uh, the tunnel, the little sewer pipe. And then Sabretooth wakes up, talks about his healing factor, because villains always have to explain why they're not dead. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he takes a swipe at him, calling them little piggies. And dun, dun, dun. Right. And then we cut to the Freedom Force, Micah. That's right. They're at the, uh, the Pentagon watching the news, right? And, uh, and then, yeah, like for like two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're like, yeah, because like, because oh, so basically on the news, they're like uh, investigating reports that the millionaire mutant playboy Warren Worthington, known also as the Angel, is the financial backer for X Factor. So this is the beginning of the unraveling of their secret identities, right? Yeah, <laughs> whatever there. Like this long. <laughs> yeah, and then it cuts to a meeting with. Uh, Candy- yeah, because it's crazy. I, I don't know if you noticed, but that guy Warren Worthington the third, that guy with wings out of his back, he might be a mutant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he might be a mutant. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, um, then we cut over to this business meeting. Uh, for the Wor- oh, for the Worthington building. Yeah, Worthington Industries, yeah. Yeah, Candy Southern. And it's inter- it's interrupted by a guy telling him or telling her that uh, the news has announced that that uh, Warren Worthington is an evil mutant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Worthington Enterprises is backing X Factor. And I love this dialogue and her thought bubble blast. Warren thought he'd buried his interest in X Factor so cleverly no one could ferret out the connection. How? And she's like, oh, well, forget it. I'll worry about it later. Well, we'll keep reading, Mike. I'll she's read the next hotel. I'll read the whole issue. I'm supposedly his lover, and I he, haven't That's had what a... I wanted you to read. I'm supposedly uh, his lover. I'm supposedly his lover, and I haven't had a real conversation with him in weeks. We've both been so busy. It's time I went to him. When he hears this, he's going to need me. Uh-oh, that's kind of a foreshadowing, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah. He's needing something else right now. Yep. So then, uh, so then we cut over to the infirmary and the at the X Factor complex, and they're tending to Rusty Collins. And then Warren Worthington now has his big backpack on, right? <laughs> the wings. Wings. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so then now he finds out that he's all over the news, right? As uh, the financial backer of X Factor. And that's it. Then we cut back to the continuing mutant massacre, right? Yeah. Yep. Now we see Blockbuster, the big strong guy. Right. Uh, punching people. And uh, we see Vertigo making people sick. And she makes Iceman sick. Right. And, and we see uh, Blockbuster smashing uh, Iceman's ice. And yeah, Cyclops little... shoots him in the butt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then Beast uses his big feet. I love that move. Remember he used that in the issue we read? Yep. The double foot. The, the Captain Kirk, I call it. <laughs> Double yeah, kick. he kicks, kicks vertigo right, right in the bosom. Right in the bosom, it looks like. A, <laughs> yeah. One foot on each boob. So then so once the, again, yeah, once again, they let them go. Like, yeah, ah. the marauders, the marauders hit and run. As soon as things start yeah. going sour, they just take off. They just run. Right. Yeah, so they let them, like, I let them go. We're in no shape to chase them. <laughs> anyway, um, so then we cut back to Artie and Leech. And... Uh, yeah, where did Caliban go? Wasn't he with them? Oh, he's just bleeding out. Okay. He's in the sewer pipe. <laughs> yeah, they, they pulled him into the sewer pipe. 
anything right. leading out. In the, yeah. I guess, yeah, they're not too concerned. <laughs> nope. Caliban. He eventually becomes a member of the team, though, so you'd think they'd show him a little bit more. Well, yeah. he eventually betrays the team to go with Apocalypse, too, right? True. 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 Yep. And then, um, so then, uh, yeah, then Artie, is it Artie? Yeah, he, he now he knows where X-Factor is because he's using his power, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, then, uh, and then we cut back to X-Factor Infirmary, and then, uh-oh, we got a little bit of soap opera action going on here. Yep. We got Angel and Jean Grey chatting it up. They're kind of just talking about what's been going on. And, you know, in his head, Angel is admitting to the reader that he uh, kind of has like, feelings for uh, Jean Grey, right? Yep. And uh, they're getting closer and closer. And then Jean is getting all down on herself. And then we see, you know. Yeah, because keep in mind, real quick, Jean Grey came back to life. She's still in love with Scott. But while she was gone, Scott married a lady who looks exactly like her. <laughs> yeah. right. And a kid. And then they had a kid. And then he abandoned her in Alaska. <laughs> yes. So not only did she find out the man she loves is married another woman, but she found out the man she loves is a creep <laughs> because he left his wife and kid. And then he lied about it to her so that he could still make kissy face with her. <laughs> she wouldn't be mad at it. Nice. <laughs> so, so, yeah, as Angel and her are about to uh, almost looks like they might make sweet, sweet love. Uh, Candy Southern walks in. That's right. Uh, Supposedly his lover, right? Yeah. <laughs> and she and, is pissed. Uh, yeah, she's pissed. And she's like, I like how she says here, I've, over, uh, I've overlooked your philandering before. But this is the limit. And you, Jean Grey, haven't you wrecked enough relationships, enough lives? Wow. And for some reason, I always remember this line. You're a mutant, all right, but your real power is to make men fall in love with you and then destroy them. Wow, what a shot <laughs> of Jean Grey. <laughs> yep. Holy hell. But l- so let me just say for the record, this has never happened to me. Like, I've never <laughs> one lady. And then another lady comes in and says, Michael Dell, I'm tired of your philandering. Yeah. <laughs> not once you've never been involved in a love pentagram <laughs> nope between nope. Angel and Jean Grey and Cyclops and Cyclops' wife and Candy Southern <laughs> came back from the dead and found yeah. out that Crazy. her boyfriend married someone that looked exactly like her and yeah. Yeah. it's rare but it does happen I mean, I'd be flattered at that point. They're like, oh, they married yeah. someone who looks just like you. Yeah. yeah. Well, they'd I'd be like, oh, yeah. So basically, I'm, you love me more than you love your wife. It's all right. Just say it. Say it, Scott. Just say it. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you hate your child. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, eventually, Gene says, all right, well, go after Candy. Explain things. I'm going to go down in the tunnels and try and get the Cyclops and the boys. And But Warren says, no, you know what? I'm going to go with you down to that right. tunnel. Because what is more valuable in underground tunnel combat than a guy with wings? <laughs> yeah. He's useless in the daylight outside, like let alone in a fucking tunnel. Yes. <laughs> so now we're back under the tunnels. We see our buddy Harpoon and Sabretooth. They're hunting Joined again. by... Yeah, but they're uh, hunting this lady who... Uh, does she have a name here? Plague? Uh, yeah. Um, I can't it is remember Plague. Plague. Yeah, yes. Plague. Name is Plague. So she yeah. touches Sabretooth, and he automatically gets really sick. He's got, right. like, the COVIDs, and he falls <laughs> over. And Harpoon's about to kill Plague. And then who pops up, Michael? None other than Apocalypse. Yeah. 
And I completely forgot he was in this issue. It looks kind of weird, but anyway. Well, because he's <laughs> recruiting his four horsemen of the apocalypse. Right. Hell yeah. He recruits Plague, this old lady who can make people sick. So that means that Louise Simonson was planning this for yep. like 14 issues. That's yep. pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool, yeah. It's almost like she's a good writer. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. Um, but again, look at Apocalypse. This first mutant, he's been around for eons, all these generations, super powerful. He has a big A on the top of his <laughs> underpants. <laughs> Just so he, he knows the... Good These brand are my metallic underpants because they got the A on them. These it should just be an Egyptian hieroglyph or something, right? <laughs> yeah, something. <laughs> the alpha. And, you know. <laughs> the A for apocalypse. Right yeah. on my pants. <laughs> All right. So he teleports away with Plague. And he, yeah, I think she is the first one he recruited, right? Because then I think. Uh, right. War, I think so. War is in the next issue. I know that. Famine is after that. Mm, and yep. then he brings an angel. Yeah. All right. So, uh, does it say ages later? Yeah, isn't that a weird transition? <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? They all fell asleep. <laughs> ages later. Well, I guess they have to explain how could they be there so quickly, right? Because, but, but if ages. it is ages, if it is ages, then how long have Cyclops and Beast and Iceman been walking <laughs> around, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was probably put in by the editor. Yeah, you could have just put in the later. Yeah, Maybe exactly. Ages, like, fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah gene gray and, and uh angel they go down and they find cyclops Iceman, a beast engaging with the marauders again mm-hmm. uh and uh, cyclops shoots arc light yeah scrambler is running in to touch cyclops but beast intercepts him and gives him the old two-footed kick in the face again Michael. that's right the captain Kirk. <laughs> yeah. yep but the collision knocks them both unconscious and so that leaves us with Prism. Not a very good move if that's what's going to happen. True, true. Just an I old can't kick you, but I'll die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I don't, well, Beast didn't know what, who Scrambler true. was or what he was going to do, but I guess his power short, short-circuited his power. And plus, remember, Beast still has that rip in his side from Harpoon, so oh, he, yeah. he's injured. So Prism, he kind of... Who's the guy you like in the, new, the Guardians of the Galaxy, Michael? Yeah, Martin X. Kind of looks like Martin X. X. Yeah, he's exactly like Martin X. <laughs> and this is this is Prism's big moment to shine. Yes. Right? So <laughs> Cyclops like... shoots him with an optic blast. And Prism's power is he can absorb energy and like reflect it. So he's the perfect guy to fight Cyclops. Yeah. So he just returns the energy on Cyclops and knocks him out. But then what happens, Michael? Well, then... Um, so, yeah, he introduced himself. Uh, did I introduce myself? I'm Prism. And you know what a prism does. And I do so much more. Zwap! And then he reflects all the light back. But then, just then, Jean Grey and Angel come in. And Jean Grey's like, Angel, there they... Cyclops, no! Prism, get away from them! And then he... Or she kills him. She smashes him to the wall. And he breaks into a million pieces. Right? <laughs> and he's dead. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was it. Yep. And then, ooh, I didn't notice this. We see against the wall. Is that, like, blood? Like, all splattered on the wall? That's kind of gross. I don't think, but I don't know what that is. It doesn't look like it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just it's just the energy of her. Uh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It might be. I don't know. But then yeah. look, look at this. Look at that energy. Yeah. Too bad prison was so brittle, eh, Scrambler? <laughs> yeah. So keep in mind, at this point in his history, Prism has appeared on four comic book panels. <laughs> yeah. <he's dead>. <laughs> <laughs> I guess five. Five yeah. panels. And he's six panels, maybe tops. And he's dead. 
right? <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's a lot of time on his backstory. But as Jank mentioned, uh, Sinister clones all these marauders, so they die multiple times, and he just keeps bringing them back. So Prism <laughs> comes back. But I think every time he comes back, he dies quickly, though, doesn't he? <laughs> I think so. I lost track. Like I remember having any big moments. It's almost like a running gag. I think some cops shoot him the next time he dies. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. That's so good. He's kind of like Kenny from South Park. You know, there's every yeah. episode. Oh my God, you kill Prism. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> oh, I hope that's true. <laughs> that's so great. Ar- so Arclight does her, her patented uh, punch the tunnel to cause a collapse so they can escape again. Man, these marauders. She's like all of these sewers must be blocked off by now. She's yeah, gonna... you're right. She's going to smash in the ceiling. <laughs> uh, we get a nice and... shot of uh, Jean Grey from behind. Hey, that's now. right. <laughs> yeah. And then once again, they let them go for the third time, right? Yep. We must follow them. Follow. Get real, Jean. So basically, they say, now let them go. We got to tend to our wounded, right? Yeah. All of our team is dying here. Yeah. So basically, yeah, Beast and Cyclops are down for the count. And so Angel's like, okay, Jean, you take care of these guys, right? I'm going to go. Yeah, she's she's telepathically carrying Beast and Cyclops back to the infirmary. Telekinetic. Yeah. And then, uh, what's his name? Iceman. He's kind of blinded. And okay. like dizzy steel from Vertigo, I guess. Is that what they're saying? Or oh, and Prism, like Prism's energy, I think blinded him. Okay. And he did his his, his whap. <laughs> so he so Angel tells him to seal off the tunnel with ice. <laughs> right. Keep that in mind. For later. Yeah. He's yeah. going ill alone. <laughs> the guy who just has feathery wings, he'll be the one to save the day. He also has good eyesight, like a bird. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> good thing there's no light down here. Anyway, okay, so then he's walking, and he comes across Artie. And uh, Artie points out that a bunch of marauders are, again, this massive sewer system. Uh, they're, like, down this other hallway or whatever it is. And uh, he's like, okay, you know, I'm going to fight these guys. So he does all he can. He punches, uh, what's her name, in the well, face. Well, first of all, he oh, kills Artie. He says, hey, Artie, I need you to run down the tunnel back to the complex. Carry a message. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Which he can't do because it's blocked. Ice wall. Yes, Iceman just blocked the tunnel. Right. So, <laughs> but uh, he tells Artie, he goes, tell her that what I did, she's right. It's what we're here for. She'll understand. <laughs> I had to read that like four times before I understood. I was like, what is yeah. he even talking about anymore? <laughs> Because they had a conversation before about they have to do what they do because they're good guys and they have to sacrifice and do that kind of thing. So I guess he's saying he sacrificed. He's he knows he's going to sacrifice his life here, mm-hmm. but he's going to do it because that's what he has to do, um, which is a noble gesture, tremendous. Except you're still sending Artie to his doom because there's a big yeah. ice wall <laughs> fifteen feet behind you. Right? Yeah. But, he didn't say ice it up except for a tiny like doggy door that a yeah. child could <laughs> maybe should have. And yeah, so the Marauders he meets are, are uh, Vertigo, Blockbuster, and Harpoon. Again, Harpoon all over this issue. The MVP of the issue. This and, is the uh, best part of the issue where uh, he's, he's, he sees Vertigo and he's like, oh, I know you. We fought before. So I know your secret weakness. And he just punches her in the face. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't think you needed experience to realize that punching a 95-pound woman in the face would probably hurt. <laughs> your weakness is a right hand. Bang. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. 
Um, and also, I got to point out, these guys are talking tough here. I love how, uh, what's his name is like, lovely day for a funeral, isn't it, Flyboy? And then and a couple panels later, you're going to die slow. This is like yeah. good. I like this stuff. Yeah, that's Blockbuster. And again, he's yeah. this really large, bald guy with like spiky armbands. Right. It's like he, he blew his allowance at the uh, Hot Topic. Do you have Hot Topic in Canada, Michael? No. It's like a oh, store. No. At the, it's a store so. at the mall where they sell like all kind of weird uh, jewelry and like leather pants and stuff. And, oh, uh, okay. Yeah, like the emo <laughs> store. Uh, <exactly. laughs> yeah. So, so Block. Blockbuster grabs him by the wings and starts like crunching up his wings. Oh, it's so gross. Tearing <laughs> out feathers and stuff. Yeah. And then, and then he throws him up against the wall and Harpoon just pins him his, his wing to the wall with a harpoon. Right. Ugh. And then he pins his other wing to the wall. Again. Yep. And then and then and then we hear and then Angel's thought bubble. No, what a jerk. What a fool. Artie can't talk. Can't tell her anything. He just realized this. <laughs> he still didn't realize about the big ice wall, though. Right, right. Oh, and then plus the ice. You know, as he's dying. Um, and then he's like, guess it's just as well. <laughs> and then, so he's pinned up, and then, you know, the Marauders are like, you're a loser, flyboy, pinned by the only thing that made you anything special. You're a stuffed shirt, a scarecrow strung up to warn off any other loser who tries to cross us. And then uh, what's his name? Scalp Hunter's like That's uh, Harpoon. Or Harpoon. Harpoon is and the <laughs> warning will be as effective, more effective when you are dead. Kill him now. The end. Awesome. <laughs> That's a good picture though. That's the end for the him. Wall, the <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, do you know how he gets saved? As it Thor? Mm-hmm. Yep. Thor comes in. And right. Thor kills Blockbuster. He he hits him with his uh, Mjolnir. Okay. Um, which is code for his wang. And he, uh, <laughs> and he kills him. One shot of his wang kills him. <laughs> well, Blockbuster breaks his arm too, doesn't he? Yeah, which I thought was weird. I didn't know Thor could have broken bones. I think I was flipping through that issue, and I guess at the end, like Hela pops up, and she's like, I did something to you, so now your bones won't heal. Ha ha ha. Oh. Maybe I'll change it back someday if I feel like it. Yeah, because then uh, I think in the next issue it might be, or one of them, uh, Cyclops, and they, they come back down to the tunnel again, and they, they find uh, Warren, and they go to take him back, and they see Thor, and they're like, you have a broken arm. Let's fix that. So Cyclops makes him a splint, and he says, Gene, tear a piece off of Thor's cape, and we'll make him a sling. And I'm like, is that really something Gene can do, just tear Thor's cape? I think it would be stronger yeah. than Gene Gray. No? I don't know. Uh, she's a pretty powerful telekinetic. She oh. can fling prism at the wall. I guess you can. That's you true. Know, I was rip. thinking she had to do it by hand. I guess she could use her brain. To rip yeah. It. Right. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't think it, it was just her by hand. Yeah. I just had images of her struggling, trying to tear the cape. Um, <laughs> You're just like, Gene, uh, well, this involves claw. You have to do it. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> Thor cleaned up the tunnels of all the dead bodies. He brought like an inferno down into the tunnel. To like incinerate all the dead bodies. Really? <laughs> yeah. I think I read that, but I forgot. Yeah, it's a little weird. <laughs> Let's hope they were all dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, Leech and Caliban still hiding in that little. Yeah. <laughs> My bad, fellas. <laughs> you know the guys who were pretending to be dead so that they wouldn't kill you? Yeah, no, no. It's 
<laughs> already still tapping on that ice wall. Let me in. Let me in. Oh. <laughs> All right. So uh, there it is. X Factor 10. And actually, Pat. Mentioned- it was a lot of fights. I like that. Um, as we mentioned, it was written by Louise Simonson. Mm-hmm. And I got some notes on Louise Simonson. She was born Mary Louise Alexander in Atlanta, Georgia, 1964. And while attending Georgia Tech, she met and married artist Jeff Jones. And they married in 1966. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. Because she was originally known as Louise Jones. Right. But, uh, yeah. So she divorced him in the early 70s. They had a daughter. She continued to go by the name Louise Jones for several years. Uh, but she met Walt Simonson then in 1973. They started dating in 74, and they got married in 1980. Really? But, but even after their marriage, he, she was still using Louise Jones for a while. In fact, if you read X Factor number six, she's still Louise Jones. She changed it for uh, X Factor seven. Isn't that funny? Yeah. So she started as an assistant editor at Warren Publishing in 1974, and she worked her way up uh, on titles like Vampirella and Creepy, and she became a senior editor before eventually leaving to join Marvel in January of 1980. She was the X-Men editor from issues 137 to 182. And she also edited the New Mutants when it started in 1983 for a little bit. Uh, But that same year, she gave up her editorial duties to try her hand as a full-time writer. And she created Power Pack. And she wrote... Very cool. Greatest achievement. She wrote 37 of the first 41 issues. And for those who don't know Power Pack... What is Power Pack, Michael? It is a family of superhero kids. Four kids, all with superpowers, and their parents don't know that they have these powers. So it's basically like an 80s sitcom, but a comic book, and it's awesome. Yeah. I love it. I've never read much of it. It's actually really good. It is. It's fun stuff, and it's it's got great art by June Brigman. Oh, June Brigman? Really? Yeah. Because yeah. doesn't John Bogdanovich or whatever do with Bogdanovich or Bogdanovich? I don't know. Yeah, he comes later on. Yeah. Okay. But Gene Brigman co-created the characters, I think. All right. Um, so Bob Layton was having trouble meeting X Factor deadlines. So uh, Louise Simonson, who they call Wheezy, by the way. Yeah. Wheezy, she was asked to fill in for Layton, but then Layton rallied and he met the deadline. So the script that Louise Simonson wrote was never used but when she wrote the script she really liked the characters and she felt a connection to them so she came up with a bunch of ideas and i think the editor at the time was bob harris mm-hmm. and she gave the list of ideas to bob and said hey let's see if bob uh, layton wants to use any of these ideas but then bob layton just gave up the book for whatever reason <laughs> was this when he was doing iron man 2 michael or probably i'm not sure but yeah around that same time so he just decided to give up the book so uh then Chris Claremont and Ann Nascenti, our beloved Ann Nascenti, said, uh, just let Louise do it. And so uh, Louise took over the book. And she wrote issues 6 through 64. Awesome. Quite that's the run, strong. from yep. 86 to 91. And and that's how you get a good book, by having one writer for that long, you know? I agree. Mm-hmm. Then she also wrote 41 issues of The New Mutants between issues 55 and 97. And that was from 87 to 91. Then in, 99, in 1991, Michael, she joined the Evil Empire and she went to D.C. That's right. Did Superman. Superman, <laughs> the Man of Steel. That's right. 
she launched she launched that series and she wrote the first 56 issues yep read them all and, and then i think she did 82 of the first 86 and that was from 91 to 98 and she also had a hand in uh she was part of the creative team that came up with the death of superman storyline yep. And the uh, when Superman married Lois Lane, she also had a hand in that, I guess. That's right. And then she went back to Marvel. I think she did like a Galactus limited series and a Warlock series. Mm. And she also wrote like 11 novels for kids. Um, oh. <laughs> a lot of them were based on like the DC characters. I think there's like Batman novel and Superman novel. And well, you know, she I know she came back and did a Superman like online comic book and i actually read it just because i'm a fan of her work and it was actually really good so she's still a good writer so there you go that's uh wheezy what else i gotta point out not that i want to judge women by their looks but back <laughs> in the day she was pretty pretty cute <laughs> if you ever get a chance to uh to see it do you guys remember the first appearance of the swamp thing probably not but the cover of um uh, House of Secrets 92. Yep. That's actually Louise Simonson on the cover. Yeah, they <laughs> used her as a model for that's right. uh, See this. Artists. And yeah, she was also, I think Senkevich also put her in a uh, slumber party or something on a New Mutants issue. Really? And uh, yeah, I remember. So there you go. That's a wheezy. Uh, so what'd you think? Uh, I'm sorry. What'd you think of the writing here, Jank? Uh, it was pretty good. A uh, little, you know, little soap opery at points. Yes, but very it. soap opery at times. Yeah, I, I didn't mind it. That's kind of what comics were in the '80s, and I, I appreciated it. That's what I appreciate about it. <laughs> That's what I appreciate about you. <laughs> uh, Michael doesn't watch Letter Kenny, so he doesn't get that reference. <laughs> he's Gotta Canadian. He doesn't watch Letter Kenny because he's ten ply, Jank. He is ten ply. <laughs> sort oh, yourself man. out. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Mike. He's just laughing along like he knows what we're talking I'm about. I'm just like, Come on, Mike. <laughs> I'm politely laughing, yeah. First <laughs> laughing. Um, but yeah, I, I like the writing here. Uh, again, you had the villains running, and I guess that's their style, these marauders. Mm -hmm. uh, they run and run away. <laughs> they hit and run away. Uh, got a little repetitive, but... Um... <laughs> well, it's yeah. hard. You don't have a clear goal other than just killing, so, I mean, it's hard to really, I guess, uh, have much of a story with them. <laughs> You got to have done like instead of having three separate fights that lasted five seconds, maybe two fights that last 15 seconds. <laughs> yeah, right, I don't right, know. right. That's fair. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I grew up on Louise Simonson, you know, on X Factor, New Mutants. And so I was just I'm so used to her writing stuff. When you go back and read it, you realize how much exposition there is. Eh? And like when you when you see the way the characters talk to each other, they're explaining so much. But I don't mind it, though. I'm used to it. Yeah, that's what comics were in the 80s. Like, now they try to, you know, you can finish a whole comic in, like, two minutes, but right. back in the day, it's to explain things a lot more and set things up for later. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of the exposition seems to be in the thought bubbles, right? They're always thinking about things. Right, and right, telling right. what happened before and why they got to do this. But uh, it's fine, though. I thought it was okay. Not spectacular, but solid. Yeah, I like that she's planting ahead. She's planting those seeds for the four horsemen. Right. See, and that's that's the one thing that you know you can criticize comics for the the old comics for the dialogue, but the plotting, especially here, is so good. Like this is one of my favorite storylines. This whole angel thing about the way that he becomes uh, Archangel. It's just so well done. 
Yeah. Yeah, I like how his life's character is pretty cool. Like the whole Cameron Hodge thing and Candy right. Southern, her death is pretty cool. Right. Oh, I don't he... even remember if she died. How did she die? Yeah. Once, uh, once they realized Cameron Hodge was a bad guy, like he kidnapped Candy Southern and like he ended up killing her. And then Archangel kind of flips the fuck out and takes his head off with his wings. <laughs> oh. Right. Bam, decapitation. That sounds familiar. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I like how they have Angel's life falling apart, and then at the end, he's just basically giving up. He's like, "Ah, yeah, fuck it, who cares?" Yeah. It is a nice sacrifice, though. I mean, it's really all I can do because he doesn't have useful powers. But at least he's trying his best. And, and of course, the next—I think it's the next issue where you find out they had to amputate his wings. Ugh. Uh, or it's coming and, up soon. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then he know, tries to kill himself after that, I... but Apocalypse rescues him. Although everyone else thinks he killed himself, but Apocalypse like swipe them out of there with this little teleportation stuff and he turns them into death the four horsemen so. like would that have not made a great x-men movie right yes but of <laughs> yeah. course did you guys see x-men apocalypse <laughs> no it was a piece of i shit. did it was terrible yeah. yeah it was so disappointing oh god anyway yeah they've but never he... been able to successfully do that or really anything in the x-men movies yikes <laughs> I-, I went back to see uh you know, when he lost his wings and it brought a question to mind that what do you think they did with the extra wing bits? Like, what do you think they did with the wings? Ooh, uh, I don't know. Good question. Hmm. Yeah. Probably science think... experiments. Yeah. It's weird. Extra wings. Right. Them in like a lab. <laughs> All right. So, uh, the artist here is Walt Simonson, uh, Louise's husband. He was born in Knoxville, Tennessee, 1946. Hmm. He graduated from Amherst, Amherst College with a degree in geology. But uh, he loved Marvel Comics, particularly Thor. So after graduating from Amherst, he decided to go to art school at Rhode Island uh, School of Design and graduated from there in 1972. And his thesis was a 50-page black-and-white comic called The Star Slammers. Oh, right. Which he turned into a graphic novel right later, I think, yep. right? Throughout his career, he's gone back to The Star Slammers a couple times. Cool. uh, Yeah. His first work was on DC's Weird World Tales, issue 10 in 1973. Hmm. In 1977, he did the Rampaging Hulk series for Marvel's Curtis magazine, which was the black and white magazine stuff. Um, Then he had his first run on Thor in 1978 when he was a penciler for uh, Len Wein was writing the stories then. And he did issues 260 to 271. Then in 1982, this may have been the first, uh, well, no, because I noticed them with X-Factor, but the, the other stuff, because I started buying comics around 85, 86 regularly, mm. you know, but then I went back in 1982, he did X-Men and the New Teen Titans. Right, right, right. And I loved his artwork in that. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah returned, he, he returned to Thor as the writer and, uh, well, he was the writer from issues 337 to 382. Mm-hmm. And he also drew like 30 of those issues. Right. And that's that spanned from 83 to 87. And that's probably the most famous Thor run ever, maybe. I don't know. We yeah. turned into a frog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beta Ray Bill gets the hammer. Yeah. All kind of stuff goes on there. That's some good uh, shit. All told, he did 10, he did 24 issues of X Factor between issues 10 and 39. And I was from 86 to 89. Then he took over the Fantastic Four in 1989. 
and he wrote all but two issues from issues 334 to 354, and he also drew 13 of those issues. And that run ended in 1991. Mm-hmm. And then he's done a bunch of other stuff, but those are basically the big ones. Anything else, Michael, that you remember from Walt uh, Disney? I'm trying to think if he did anything significant after that. Like, he kind of, I mean, he did, like, little short runs, but nothing big for some yeah. reason. I don't know. I've always been a fan. Recently, so. recently, he was doing some comic called Ragnarok, so I must really like, like, the Norse mythology stuff. Right? Yeah, he did. When he was a kid, he loved that stuff. And yeah. uh, he's a big fan of Thor, so that's pretty cool that his whole life he, he's tied to Thor now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I always liked his art because it's very angular and like uh, sharp lines, and mm-hmm. uh, it's a he has a distinctive style. You see something that he drew, you knew he drew it. You know, it's like oh yeah, that's Walt Simonson. And yeah, and like I mean, like we said, this is a little bit rushed, but when he's good, he's so good. Like his stuff on Thor is awesome. Like he's just born to do that type of art. You know, like it's big and blocky like Kirby, but he's got some nice nuance to it. like the way he draws texture and the feathers and whatever the clothes the capes it's just great yeah i could see him doing like you know very good job with like frost giants and that kind of thing right yeah normal people like this maybe not as much but right you know right. mystical stuff for sure mm-hmm. yeah remember i did that issue uh for the written version of flea market fantasy <clears throat> where he drew stilt man oh. fighting stilt man. <laughs> that's right <laughs> The one character everyone wants to draw. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm a big fan of Simonson. So I, yeah, I like the art here. Uh, no complaints. Yeah. He drew a lot yeah. of harpoon, harpooning people. So yeah. In my book. Harpoon. Anything else about this issue that needs mention? Only that I, I encourage anyone listening to continue reading X Factor till at least the end of the Walt Simonson run. It's a good series. Yeah, I remember it kind of dipped a little in like the 40, number 40 to 50 range where they had the whole celestial thing for a while. Yeah, so, yeah, basically after, you're right, after Inferno, right? It kind of went down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was a little weird and like this right. isn't like, like there's wheelhouse right here. Right, right, right. So, uh, Michael, one out of ten. Whew, uh, that's tough. Uh, I would say it's probably seven, but... For historical significance, I'll give it an eight. I agree with you. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think the writing is, is like a seven. The art, probably an eight. So I'm going to go uh, eight overall because of the significance of Angel getting harpooned and the Marauder right. and everything else. Uh, Jank? I agree. Eight is where I was going to end up as well. It's it's Whoa. so good. And I, I really do like the way that they kind of did this with Angel because it's like, it makes sense. He's like one of the few characters who has a, you know, a part of his body, basically, that his mutant power stem from. <laughs> you can't do that with like Beast. Like, what are you just going to stab him through his, his big feet? <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah. But uh, get, Angel... Get the athlete's foot. Yeah. <laughs> Angel, like, you can literally take it away from him in such a tangible way. Yeah, and they made him much cooler. Like, Archangel was so cool. Yeah, <laughs> those wings were so much more useful. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Of course, they got rid of them later. I don't know if you remember that. What? And then they yeah, bought he, them. <laughs> they turned back into Angel. What? Yep. Yeah. 90s. They basically found out that he had a healing factor, and he just turned back into the regular Angel. <laughs> I just want to shake these comic book creators. Just shake, uh-huh. them. shake, shake them. them. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like Sabretooth. I think it was Sabretooth who ended up like shredding his, his metal wings. And then all of a sudden he molted and grew his original rings back. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sabretooth's claws are strong enough to rip his metal wings that are designed by Apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, apparently. That's silliness. <laughs> it takes a harpoon to do that. I am irate. <laughs> I can see Wolverine cutting them, but Sabretooth? Come on. Yeah. That's a... All right. So there it is. Extract <laughs> of 10. Well, Jank, thank you, buddy. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks a long for joining run. us. No problem. Always a pleasure, you guys. I love the show. Awesome. Well, you're You're the the one. one. Yeah, you're You're the the one. one. (laughs) Our one fan. (laughs) All right. Well, if you love this show, you're going to love next week, Jank. (laughs) As you know, it is the holiday season, and I love Christmas comic books. And I like to to offer this time to Mike Dell to guess next week's pick. Using your well. It's a comic book. It's a Christmas theme. So, is it X-Men? Not even close. All right. (laughs) Very power-packed Christmas. I wish. I wish. I'm going to change my choice. No, I'm not. It's not Christmas with the superheroes number two, is it? It's Christmas with the superheroes number one, because we already did number two. No, we we did number one. Uh, We did number two. What's up? Isn't the cover number one them in the, no, the toy no, shop? No, that's number that's number two. Number two is all reprints. Number one is all is all or sorry, number two is all new stuff. Number one is all reprints. I switched the order. So that was number two. Now we're gonna do number one. <laughs> what's the one with the cover there? Garbage. They're in front of the Christmas tree, and there's that one guy who I had no idea who he was. You had to that's number two. But we didn't do that one. Yeah. No. We did the one on the cover with the them in the toy shop on the cover no no sorry sorry the one we did with with superman with uh you know stopping the guy remember the guy yeah, who's prostitute up? superman that's number two that's number <laughs> two now we're gonna do number one where they're uh hold on a second let me see the cover here. yeah they're in front of the christmas tree superman is looking into the the present and it says lead on it and he can't see in and there's the stockings hung by the fire that's number one well, I, I think because there's so much confusion, we have to pick something else. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm positive we didn't do this one, so. <laughs> Good Lord. Unless, unless Jank would like to Google it, but no, we did not do this one. <laughs> Trust I mean, me, I've been, I've been planning them this all year. Like having a dinner together. It looks like Christmas dinner. Yep. Good fun. Good fun. Black Canary, Green Arrow, Batman, Superman, Robin, and Wonder Girl in her old costume. All of your favorites. <laughs> so, this is like an anthology of reprinted stories? You got it. More bang for your buck. Yeah, see, this is what he does, Jank. He picks these anthologies, like <laughs> six shitty stories instead of one shitty story. Yeah. So gotta... Six awesome stories, like the best one we ever did featuring Dr. Midnight. <laughs> anyway. that one did sound pretty good yeah it was don't imagine any of these will reach that height yeah I don't think anything can but anyway. are, are, are there any good creators in this well obviously it goes without saying but I'm not going to say who they are you have to read the comments <laughs> but yeah it's all in my opinion they're all good creators alright I'm looking at the cover again 
All right. So, yeah, this is the cover I had in my head that I thought was number two. So who's that guy? I have no idea who he is behind everybody. Oh, you mean that? Oh, on the right. That's Wildfire from the Legion of Superheroes. <laughs> oh, Wildfire. Yeah. Who canceled? <laughs> How did they let him on this cover? That is a good question. He doesn't really fit with these guys, and he's oh. not even the most popular member of the Legion, so I don't know why he's there. Oh, hey, Mike Yell, right out of the gate. Uh, of course, the cover's John Byrne, you can tell by looking at it. Yeah. But the uh, one, it's Santa Claus, Dead or Alive, the artist, Frank Miller. Yep. Ooh. Told ya. Told ya. This is early and, uh, Frank Miller Batman. And Ben Oda on the lettering. That's so right. Al Marcato like this one. Um, I'm not seeing this too many other artists. I... Like swastikas on her boobs. <laughs> Kurt, <laughs> Kurt Swan. Yeah, the best. Dick Giordano, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Come on. <laughs> Neil yeah, Adams. Making these Nick names up. Nick Cardi. Oh. What's that? Yeah, so uh -oh. Nick Adams is. Oh, yeah, he does the. Uh, Neil Adams does the uh, Silent Night of the Batman. Inked That's by right. Dick So, all right. I'll sit in on this crap. I'll sit in on this one. <laughs> <laughs> It's in your contract. You have to. Yep. Good Lord. <laughs> All, right. All right. So that wraps up another glorious episode of Flea Market Fantasy. We once again want to thank Kevin Jank for joining us. Kevin, you're welcome back anytime. <laughs> and, and again, uh, you can listen to Jank on, well, he's a regular on the LCS show these days. He also does uh, the original Janksters on the LCS <laughs> Hockey Network and Mackie's Clubhouse with our buddy Larry. Yeah, two episodes a week talking about oh. the shield. Yeah, talking That's about right. the Michael Chickless shield, not, not the Marvel agents, agents of not the agents shield. shield. All right. Although Agent Coulson was on an episode or two of the shield. Really? So. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And then Mike, oh, I, this is also breaking news. Jank is going to start a podcast about Gary Coleman movies. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> it's going to be awesome. <laughs> That's I'm awesome. doing Emmanuel Lewis movies, actually. <laughs> <All right. laughs> They're much more better. <laughs> so, oh, that's funny. Anyway, you can uh, hear more episodes from us um, on uh, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all under Comic Book Syndicate. Also, you can find us on the Comic Book Syndicate Twitter feed, uh, Facebook, the Comic Book Syndicate website. I think that's about everything. So, until next Tuesday, disperse! <laughs>